We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thursday afternoon edition of the Roadwire NBA podcast, presented as always by the good folks at WinBet. If you're betting on the NCAA tournament this weekend, uh, which thankfully games are back uh, later tonight, just a few hours from now, make sure you're doing that over at WinBet. Uh, they've been a fantastic sponsor of all the Roadwire pods uh, for the last year, and we continue to uh, look forward to working with them going forward. But Alex, we we kind of hinted at all NBA teams on on our episode earlier this week and we, we talked about some of the debate surrounding the all nba teams uh but we didn't really go through and, and make our picks but now that we've had a chance to think about it had a couple more games uh in that span uh for players to make their final case to us for why they maybe belong on one of these all nba teams uh we're going to get into our first second and third all nba teams we're going to get into some of the players who just missed the cut some of the more difficult calls uh and we'll get into how we went about, I think, what's kind of the main storyline right now surrounding All-NBA, which is how do you parse Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid, who are obviously all deserving of a first-team spot, but uh, cannot necessarily do that based on how the rules have been in the past. So we'll get into that uh, in a little bit, but I want to hit a couple of news items uh, before we do that. Uh, we can start with Chris Paul, who there was some, some smoke earlier this week uh, that he was well ahead of schedule in his recovery uh, from that thumb injury. Um, he's going to only end up missing 15 games. He, he sat out last night, didn't really get any word on, on what was going on. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, uh, earlier this afternoon, we learned that Chris Paul is going to be back, uh, for the Phoenix Suns game tonight at Denver. And this means he's going to be able to play in, I, I think nine or 10 games, uh, before the end of the regular season. So we kind of discussed this possibility on Tuesday, but I mean, this is really looking like it's going to be the best case scenario for the you know West leading Phoenix Suns who, who lead the Western conference by 10 games. Yeah, I wasn't going to be too worried about them in the first round anyway, even if they were without Chris Paul. Um, although I guess some of that would depend on how the playing games would shake out and stuff like that. Um, because I guess technically there was a chance that Denver would slip to seven and then I, I don't even know. Mm -hmm. But 
yeah, it's good that he's coming back uh, this early for them so they can, again, just get back into a rhythm before the playoffs. But um, the main thing is just that he'll presumably be 100% uh, at the start of the first round. Yeah, I think the the only thing you really worry about now is just getting his win back, and, and he'll have plenty of time to do that. I mean, you have to factor in that the, the regular season ends on the 10th, but the first possible playoff game for Phoenix wouldn't even come until April 16th. Uh, and it, it could be, you know, on Easter Sunday, the 17th. So you get a little bit of a, a built-in buffer, you know, with the NBA basically blocking off three or four days for the play-in tournament uh, when the regular season would normally start just a couple days, or the postseason, excuse me, would normally start just a couple days after the regular season ends. So, yeah, great news for Chris Ball, great news for the Suns. Uh, I, I think we discussed at length, you know, why we both feel pretty good uh, about Phoenix's chances to come out of the Western Conference, and, and certainly this only bolsters that. Um, the other major news item I, I want to hit, and it's not really news, it's more of just a, um, an, a something that happened, I guess, in Wednesday night's games, which was Jimmy Butler uh, apparently challenging Eric Spolstra to a fight at some point during the second half of the Heat's second consecutive loss to uh, a, a shorthanded inferior opponent. Uh, earlier this week, they lost to the Embiid and Harden list 76ers. They were down double digits, ended up losing by 14 to the Golden State Warriors, who were without Draymond, without Clay, without Curry, without Otto Porter, uh, in a game that you know Golden State really controlled from start to finish. And um, you know, the, a couple of viral videos came out of this. Uh, I, what I thought was most interesting is it did seem to me, and and we're doing some some gleaning from you know just videos. We didn't really have like audio of what was said, but you could you could kind of make out what certain guys were saying. But it very much looked to me like it was Jimmy Butler versus the other 14 players on the Miami Heat <laughs> plus the coaching staff. Yeah, it didn't really seem like anybody uh, <laughs> was on Jimmy Butler's side, which, um, you know, uh, this may have happened once or twice in his career before uh, where he's gotten into arguments and disagreements where he's the only one that feels a certain way. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know, because we had Haslam and Spo kind of being the most vocal, um, you know, uh, arguing back with him. And he kind of had to be separated from the rest of the team at one point. And um, like, I know it was kind of downplayed after the game, but um, I'm sure a lot of it is just frustrations between like right. Butler's been in and out of the lineup. The team has not been performing well, especially over the past two games. What I would give though, for the audio transcript of what, what was said, right. not only between him and Spo, but, but Udonis Haslam, who, it looked like he was about ready to just grab Jimmy Butler by his collar and just like drag him to the locker room. <laughs> he was he was definitely making the you know the classic NBA like pointing towards the tunnel like let's go let's go do that right now and and it seemed like that's when things kind of turned for Jimmy Butler who would, I mean basically I think that this is exactly why Udonis Haslam has been on the payroll in this position for like the last six years right is once or twice a year something like this is going to happen and he's the guy that steps in and prevents the coach from potentially being punched. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, does definitely. He seems like the uh, the middleman between the the coaches and the players. Like I, I yes. forget what you cut the mediator. I think for a lot of discussions. Yeah, enforcer, mediator, somewhere in that range. <laughs> do, do these back to back losses to shorthanded Philly and even more shorthanded Golden State make you think any different of Miami? I, I you know, there's been some notion that maybe the Heat would want to get out of that one seed to potentially avoid a matchup with Brooklyn, but. I, these, these aren't those type of losses, you know, it's like they were basically playing at full strength. They weren't trying to lose either of these, either of these games. I don't think that's what was going on. Um, but th does this mean anything to you or is it just kind of a weird two game stretch? 
Uh, I think it's probably a weird two-game stretch. Um, you know, like I, the fact that they've been playing this well in general, like the fact that they're first in the East, despite you know, kind of rolling out with like an older team, like between like uh like Lowry and Butler, who they've only gotten 106 combined games out of out of bios only played 48 games. Like, I think this is just a bad stretch for them. There's a pretty good chance that they're going to end the season with only two guys playing more than 70 games. And that would be Duncan Robinson and PJ Tucker. And then the next three on that list as of right now, in terms of total games played are Gabe Vincent, Dwayne Dedman and Max Struess. So you could argue that they're four to five most important players, you know, in hero Lowry, Butler and Adebayo, those guys have all played 59, 56, 50, and 48 games this year. And I think it's going to be really interesting when we get to talk about all NBA in a little bit. I I struggled. I, I, I'll say right now, I did not end up putting a Heat player on any of my teams. I, you know, Bam was kind of like my last guy out, Bam slash Butler. Um, but it's really tough. Like this whole thing, this whole season, like despite them being first in the East and it feels like a team that has the best record in a really tough conference should have at least one representative. It, it just feels like this whole season has been a sum of the parts type of thing, as opposed to, you know, one or two players dragging this team. Yeah. For the, for the most part, I, I do think that's true. Um, I, you know, I still want to face them in the playoffs. I mean, they're going to get, I mean, they might end up, you know, I'm sure they don't want to face Brooklyn. That would be a crazy first round matchup. Um, something that, that I'd love to see. I mean, if it's not Miami, it's going it's going to be Philly or Milwaukee at this point, right? I mean, that's the the likelihood. Um, which I, I think those matchups you could argue would be just as crazy. I, I think, I mean, Philly Brooklyn obviously is probably at the top right yeah. now. I think just for for the storylines, um, and, and that that I mean that matchup could also be possible if Brooklyn is able to surpass Toronto with Kyrie being a full time player. Uh, that that seems like much more of a possibility than it did even 48 hours ago. Uh, but no matter what, I mean, we're, the Nets are going to match up against a very good team. It's going to be Miami, Philly, Milwaukee, or Boston. Like, that's virtually locked in at this point. Right. Yeah, the matchup between Philly would definitely have the most drama. Um, is, I mean, who <laughs> – the fact that, like, Atlanta and Sh- uh, Charlotte are kind of still in this. Like, who is – Charlotte has to be the team, if they were to make the playoffs, that'd be the team you'd want to face out of every other team, right? Like, there's no question. I think so. Yeah. And the way it's breaking down, like I think the top eight are going to be the eight teams that we end up getting, you know, with, with Toronto and Brooklyn uh, making up and, and I mean, and honestly, you know, Cleveland is, is kind of falling a little bit too. I mean, they're only one game ahead of Toronto, so they might end up in that range as well. But yeah, I, I think Charlotte, I mean, you know, in a one game situation though, like if you're playing Charlotte, like that's, that's a very winnable game, the way that that team plays and the guys that they have who can get hot, uh, and it says something that they've at least been able, it feels like Charlotte and Atlanta have not moved the entire season. They've just been locked into those two spots for like 75 straight games. Um, and, and, you know, losing Gordon Hayward, I, I think maybe takes a little bit of the the upside out of that Charlotte team. But yeah, I mean, if, if they were to somehow sneak in and, you know, Toronto or Brooklyn or Cleveland or whoever didn't make it out of the play-in, you would feel great about that if you're Miami or Philly. <laughs> yeah, that'd be absolute best case scenario. Yeah, I mean, when the other option is Kevin Durant and, and you know, <laughs> right. fully back Kyrie Irving, yeah, you'd feel you'd feel okay about that. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more. 
All that is at your fingertips with the WinBet app. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or even try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in nine states. Those nine states are Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia, and it's rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. Register for WinBet today, make a qualifying deposit, and wager to receive $200 in free bets. Promotion may vary by state. Download WinBet now. That's WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's Fantasy Podcast. Thrive Fantasy is back for another season of fantasy basketball, and they're running guaranteed contests every single day this NBA season. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top-tier players who have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today, and you'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you claim that free RotoWire subscription. Step one, visit rotowire.com slash thrive. That's T-H-R-I-V-E, thrive. Step two, deposit a minimum of $10, and you'll receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Step three, play in your first paid contest, and you will then receive that free six-month RotoWire subscription. Infinite value with that subscription. You'll get full access to everything on rotowire.com, all sports, all of our optimizers, everything you need to become the best fantasy player and sports better that you can be. Check out thrivefantasy.com to learn more. Thrive Fantasy, an official partner of Rotowire. All right, let's make some monkey knife fight picks for Thursday night's five-game NBA slate. As a reminder, monkey knife fight is the easiest DFS site out there. You can win 20x, 100x, even 500x your buying amount on any given night. If you sign up today at monkeyknifefight.com, you can claim a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And if you use our promo code RWNBA, you're looking at a free $10 NBA ticket. All right, let's get into it. We got another two by two tonight. 3.6x our buying amount if we hit both of these. Both of our matchups coming from the same game, Pelicans and Bulls. And we begin with CJ McCollum, more or less 24 and a half points tonight. I'm going to go more here. Uh, he's gone over this number in each of his last two games. Brandon Ingram set to miss yet another contest. So that makes CJ McCollum once again, the number one option in New Orleans. And the Bulls, a bottom 10 defense since the break. They will not have DeMar DeRozan tonight. Should be a fun back and forth game. We're going more on CJ McCollum. We got the same number for Zach Levine. And again, no DeMar DeRozan. So this number feels very friendly all of a sudden. Levine himself removed from the injury report earlier today. This should be a reasonably paced game. Both teams right around the middle of the pack since the All-Star break. New Orleans defense actually been pretty solid over the last few weeks, but still uh, pretty exploitable one-on-one matchups here for Zach Levine. Points have been down a little bit of late, been dealing with some soreness in that knee. But with DeRozan out, you're removing 22 field goal attempts and eight free throw attempts per game. Uh, that's what he's been averaging over his last 20. So a lot of that funnels down to Zach Levine. So there we go. We're going more on CJ McCollum, more on Zach Levine, the number for both 24 and a half points tonight. And again, make sure you're using our promo code RWNBA to get that free $10 NBA credit. One more thing I want to get to before we do all NBA, uh, Josh Eberly, who's always throwing out like really great provocative NBA questions on Twitter uh, after another big game by Jordan Poole in that win over Miami last night, 
uh, just just threw out a screenshot of the first round of the NBA draft and said, or the 2019 NBA draft, I should say, and, and asked, you know, you're redrafting right now. How high does Jordan Poole go? And I, I don't know if there's a correct answer. There are certainly uh, X number of players who you would still take over him, but I'm curious to see where you would come in on this. So Jordan Poole went 28th in 2019. How high or how many guys would you say are still for sure ahead of him if you're redrafting that class today? So I think the highest that he would potentially go would be fourth. Um, okay. I, I think it would go in some order, Morant, Zion, Garland. And then after that, I think you could go Pool, Hero, Barrett. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he could go as high as four. Yeah, I think that's the absolute ceiling. I mean, we've been as down on, on anybody as Zion, but you're not taking Jordan Poole even over uh, you know Zion, who hasn't played in a calendar year. Uh, so I think four is the absolute ceiling. I mean, I, I think in general, like I, Tyler Hero still feels like he's considered the better player, but it, it's probably a lot closer uh, than, than most people would like to admit. I, I kind of highlighted all the players from this class who you could at least make somewhat of a case uh, to take you know, over Jordan Poole. And most of them I think are no's, but in addition to Zion, Morant, Barrett, Garland, and Hero, you could make a case for uh, Matisse Thibel, PJ Washington, Cam Johnson, Kobe White, and DeAndre Hunter. And, and again, I think I would take Poole over all those guys, but you know, there's, there's some upside with someone like Kobe White. I, I think a lot of people thought Kobe White would be doing exactly what Jordan Poole is doing at this point in his career. And, and you know, obviously he's hit some roadblocks in Chicago, but um, you know, given some of the defensive limitations with Poole, I, I think there's a case for for more you know sizable defensive-minded guys like Hunter and Thibel, maybe even Chumo Kiki if you really want to stretch it. Yeah, I think Hunter and White would be the guys that I would like next or like most consider. I, I feel like we haven't really seen White kind of White's in a weird spot with the Bulls right now. I feel like he's someone that eventually will work his way out, maybe in restricted free agency, will end up on, on a team where he'll start and you know, kind of have that uh, thing to himself. And Hunter still intrigues me. Like I've been a Hunter guy for a while. I just, the problem is he's a little bit older and he his mm-hmm. this year he struggled a lot coming off the injury. So it's kind of a tough trigger pull. Yeah. I mean, the thing with pool, I think in years past and even earlier this year, it was like, well, yeah, you know, he can, when there's nothing on the line and they're sitting Stephen Curry or he's playing alongside Stephen Curry and clays out, you know, he's in this perfect situation. Is he actually that good? But we now have a pretty decent sized sample of him playing in like all situations. You know, sometimes he's off the bench. Sometimes he's playing with all of golden States, you know, all-star caliber players. And then now more recently when most of those guys are sitting out, he's still giving you 25 to 30 points on any given night. So I, I mean, I've been extremely impressed with Jordan Poole, but I, I, I mean, coming, what are we now coming up on three years removed from that draft? I mean, the fact that he would be almost a lock, you would think for the top five is crazy. He, I, I would say undoubtedly a lock for the top five because him and Tyler hero are actually having like extremely similar seasons this year. Right. So um, I, I I don't know who necessarily has the better long-term upside there between those two. I think that's a really hard choice, but yeah, I I think he's a no brainer top five pick. Yeah. I mean, golden state other than the Wiseman pick has really done very well for themselves. You know, even going back to kind of leveraging D'Angelo Russell, like they did, like, I mean, Andrew Wiggins has not been a home run, by any means, but they also, you know, you can only have so many guys like Curry, Clay, Poole, you know, you don't necessarily need another score first guy. Um, you just have to imagine, but if they had taken LaMelo instead of Wiseman, like what this roster would be. 
Yeah. Um, it it would be bizarre. I mean, I agree, but when you think about like how LaMelo exactly fits in, it, it seems a little weird. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know if it would be bad, and but I just don't know. Like, I have no idea what that looks like. Yeah, it's like LaMelo would probably not be the LaMelo that we know right now. Pool would probably not be the pool that we know right now. Like, I, I think you know, there's kind of a butterfly effect of, you know, how does the, how did you have some of the personnel moves that they've made over the last two seasons, um, you know, maybe aren't made if you have LaMelo ball in place, but just, just the, the idea of LaMelo like running out there with Curry and Clay right. is so tantalizing. hundred percent. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's get to All-NBA. Um, we, we, you know, we talked about a lot of the stipulations and you know, some of the debate on Tuesday. And essentially, it just comes down to the same debate we have every year, which is, do we actually have to stick rigidly to this archaic center, forward, forward, guard, guard alignment that has historically been the case with, with All-NBA? And when you turn the clock back, even 10 and certainly 20, 30 years, it was a lot easier because you know, positions were a lot more defined. Um, you know, now it's, it's hard pressed to even find players who you would say like, that's a true power forward, a true shooting guard, a true small forward. Like, you know, we've kind of just reduced it to center forward and guard. Uh, and even that could be kind of constraining, especially when the three best players in the league this season all spend a, a pretty decent amount of time at center. So how, do, how do you kind of want to go about this? Um, I, I'm interested to see, did you, did you make the executive decision to put Jokic Embiid and Giannis all on your first team? Did you kind of go with the more historical approach and, and move one of those guys to your second team center? Yeah, I decided to be a little more rigid and um, basically kept it to a one center situation okay, um, as here. much as, yeah, as, as much as like, I would love to have all those guys on the first team and I think they deserve it. Um, I just, I, I wasn't going to do it because I, Jokic is in no way a forward. He just isn't. Right. And if, if, that, if that's what the parameters are, you know, you just kind of have to, to suck it up and, and go with it. Uh, and certainly Embiid is not a forward either. Right. You know, both of those guys are, are extremely true centers. You know, Giannis, I, I think, plays more at the forward. So obviously a lot easier to slot him in there. Uh, so with that in mind, how does your first team end up? So I, I will say for all NBA, I, uh, I'm like less, I want to say I'm less focused on the current season. But for me, uh, like past performance matters. Like uh, to me, this is almost like a list of the guys I would like most want for like a, a game or a playoff series or the rest of the year. Like I don't, I don't take this season quite as much into account as I would for like MVP, for example. So, okay. That'll, that'll be my preface. 
So my first team is Luka, Curry, LeBron, Giannis, and Jokic. Okay. No, no major qualms there. Uh, I, I have four of those guys. I have John Morant getting in over Stephen Curry. But other okay. than that, I think we're on the same page. Yeah, I mean, the games played will essentially end up being even for those two. Yep. Because Curry's a 65 right now, is out for the rest of the year. Likely out for the rest of the year, most of it. And then Morant, I think he's at like 55 right now. Roughly five to ten games left. It was just really tough for me, man. Like the the kind of three man race in my head between Luca, Curry, and Morant um, was really tough. Like I, I, you know, I put them all together in like the the player comparison tool and Basketball Reference, and I was like looking, and it's like you can make a case for any one of them based on tons of different factors. But I think to me, I still need to. Uh, I feel like I. If I was in a playoff series, I would I would take Luca or Curry over Morant still. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Uh, I think we have a little bit different methodology. Like I I definitely try to look at this as only this season. You know, kind of try to put blinders on, on everything else. I, I I mean, it's totally an eye of the beholder thing. I think a lot of people have right. a lot of different approaches to how they put together all NBA teams, how they put together All Star teams, awards, things like that. Um, I, I try not to make it like a, a lifetime achievement thing or, you know, a legacy situation where if you're LeBron, you know, you get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to games played or, or team record. Um, and I don't know, like with, with Morant, it, it feels like the hype has cooled off ever so slightly just because he's missed a few games and he's, he's going to remain out for their next game uh, tonight, actually. Um, and if he ends up missing, you know, three or four more games of their final, I think they have nine left. You know, maybe maybe that could swing things the other way, but both he and Doncic have the same number of games played. You mentioned with Curry, you know, they're all going to finish right around probably sixty-five ish. So that to me is not that much of a factor. I, it's really hard to say, you know, definitively. It has to be these two, and this guy has to be left out. Like I, I, I would hear a case for Curry and Doncic, Doncic and Morant, um, you know, Curry and Morant, like any two of those three. But is there any other guard that you considered, or are those three guys kind of on their own tier? Um. I mean, I, I lightly considered Chris Paul, but he landed pretty firmly on my second team. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he was the only other guy that I was like really considering for first team, even a little bit. But it, it very quickly got uh, wiggled down to those three. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, I mean, I think with Morant, to me, there's an element of like he, he really felt like he took over this season, maybe only for like a month or two, like right in the middle when Memphis was making that run. Um, but it also matters to me that you know, he's, he's going to have, or his team is going to finish with a better record than the Curry's team down the stretch. And part of that is Curry getting hurt. But, um, you know, I, I also kind of went back and forth on how do you weigh Curry's quote unquote struggles uh, versus, re- you know, relative to his past years when we're also comparing him to a pretty unrealistic standard, which is the one that he set for the last decade. But um, I don't know. It, it, it was really tough for me. As you can probably tell by, by the way, I'm just kind of like talking myself in circles here. I, right. <laughs> I didn't feel great, but I, I'm going with Morant and, and Luca. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Memphis only has two more wins than golden state. So like, it's, I, I just, to me, that like, doesn't matter. I it's, it's close. I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, for some of these, the last stretch of the season, like will matter. Mm-hmm. Like to me, LeBron versus Tatum was very difficult for the first team. Yeah, and yeah. That, More, closer than I'd like to admit. Yeah, and that for me may come down to like these last, this last like two week stretch of the season before I make like a really like write them down in concrete in the, mm-hmm. the you know in the specific spots. 
Yeah, and I, I think with the voting populace at large, there's a, a decent chance that if Boston closes like nine and one in their last 10 and all of a sudden they're the two seed and the Lakers just continue to crater and LeBron is, is missing more games with his knee injury, there's definitely a chance that he could be jumped. And it feels like Tatum, maybe more than, than all these guys, including Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis has the most momentum, I think, of any star coming out of the end of the regular season. Yeah, like the I would still take LeBron in a playoff series, right? But this is where this is where like this season matters to me, where it's like there's a certain point where it's like games missed and record like do factor in. And yeah. this to me, the most extreme example of this is like Kevin Durant, right? Like Kevin Durant's on my third team. Uh obviously he's a better player than DeMar DeRozan. Um, and maybe I take him over LeBron in a playoff series, but he's played like 45 games. So I just like can't. So there's a certain point in which um, you just you just get uh, knocked. All right, so let's go to second team. Give me your your full second team. Second team is Morant, Chris Paul, DeRozan, Tatum, and Embiid. Okay, we're mostly in agreement there. I I actually flipped uh, Booker and Paul, and and I don't know if you have Booker on your third team, but I I, I moved CP three down to the third team, and I have Booker, Curry, DeRozan, Tatum, Embiid. That makes sense. Um, Booker actually did not make my third team. Um, okay, interested to see who did. It was it was tough picking between Paul and Booker. It's just tough for me. Like I I don't know, yeah. man. The team was bad, and then Chris Paul came, and then they were good. Yep, that's just what happened. So yeah, for me, I, it's tough. I you know I know he's like only fifteen points a game, but it's like the eleven assists with only two turnovers. The steals are still high. 58 games is enough because he's going to end up playing like 65 now if he's back today. Um, that's that's where I ended up. Yeah, th- I mean, that's kind of where my heart takes me. Like, w- weirdly, I, and this kind of goes against what I what I said like 10 minutes ago about my methodology, <laughs> but like I would put Chris Paul ahead of Devin Booker if I was voting for MVP because I, I think he is more valuable. But I also feel like Booker, like in the in the 15 games that Chris Paul missed with this injury, like Booker cranked it up immediately and was averaging like three more assists per game scoring maintained. The Suns were pretty much just as good. Um, and that was with other injuries, you know, Cam Johnson's missed like 11 games in a row. Jay Crowder's missed some time in there. Uh, they've been banged up really all over the roster. And, and yeah, you're, you're totally right that this was a lost team that I think was basically in like the Timberwolves zone before yeah. Chris Paul showed up where they had some nice pieces, but when push came to shove, you were always going to pick like seven other teams over them in the Western conference. And he, he immediately changed that, uh, you know, at the drop of a hat. So that does count for something. Uh, But I I also feel like the numbers at this point do matter. And, and Chris Paul's intangibles are are completely off the charts. Um, And you're not, you're definitely not wrong to weigh those, but I mean, he is down under 15 points a game. He is leading the league in assists though, uh, which, which counts for something. Uh, But the three point percentage is down considerably this year. Um, You know, even the free throw percentage is down almost 10 percentage points from last year, well below his career average. So, um, as valuable as he's been to the Suns, like I feel like Booker, you know, just he, it just feels like to me he's had the more exceptional season. I get it. Yeah, I don't. In, in terms of like Chris Paul missing time and then Devin Booker stepping up a little bit, like maybe more than a little bit. Yeah, like I don't put that much stock in that because I feel like almost like that. There, there are tons of players who could do that. Like, yeah. would Demar Derozan be? in this like fringe MVP discussion, if Lonzo ball and Alex Russo didn't get hurt and the whole team wasn't out for a while, like would any of this have happened? 
Like, I think mm-hmm. you can start kind of going down that route. Um, yeah. And, you know, like, I, I just, uh, I, I don't want to start like putting too much stock into that sort of a thing, but you're right. I mean, Paul's numbers, like other than his assists and steals aren't fantastic, but I don't know what to say. I, I just think he's the driving force of that team. Yeah. Yeah, totally fair. Totally fair. And I, I, to be honest, I think more people would probably side with you. I, I think it would be like a 70-30 split. You know, people would give probably more credit uh, to the Sun success to Chris Ball. I would have liked to find a way to put both of them on the yeah. second team. But I I mean, you can't justify bumping Curry or, or Ja or Luca down to the third team. Probably not. No. Um, who's that The rest team? of that second team, by the way, total locks, right? Like if, if oh, you're not putting yeah. a beat on your first team, like I, I didn't even consider really any other center or forwards. No, no, and be Tatum to Rose, and that that was that was like uh, locked for me. For yeah, sure. I mean, unless you're someone that really doesn't care about missed games, you know, you could you could probably form some sort of argument for Kevin Durant. You know, I mean, in terms of skill, yep. he belongs on the first team. No one's debating that. But um, you know, I mean, Tatum and DeRozan have been among the healthiest players and the most productive in the entire league. So I, I think you, you, I mean, like you said, there's still going to be some movement in this over the last two and a half weeks of the season. But I think you could pretty much lock in both of those guys for at least second team. For sure. All right. So that brings us to third team. Give me your full five-man third team All-NBA. Third team is Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell. Jimmy Butler is a very light pencil. Uh, Kevin Durant and Carl Anthony Towns. Okay. Once again, we're pretty much in agreement. I I have Chris Paul in my third team with Trey Young. Uh, I have Kevin Durant as one forward. And then I have Siakam slash Adebayo slash Butler as my second forward. And then pretty easily Carl Anthony Towns as my center. That last forward spot is what it really came down to. And I, I considered like fudging the rules a little bit and, and throwing Donovan Mitchell in as like a, a small forward, even though that's not accurate at all. Uh, but he's the one guy. And I, I know I mentioned to you off air, like I, I felt like this was a suspiciously easy exercise in terms of the, you know, like the pool of players that I was considering. Like normally I feel really bad about four or five guys you get left off. Like, Mitchell's the one guy to me that I, I really wanted to find a spot for, but if he's going to be a guard, you know, I, I just couldn't put him over Paul, Trey, Booker, or or Curry. Yeah, Booker versus Mitchell was tough for me yeah. because their numbers are pretty much identical. Uh, and I know Phoenix has more team success. At the same time, uh, what I've seen Donovan Mitchell do in the playoffs over the past two seasons just makes me think he's better than Devin Booker. That's I think he's slightly like, better. I think they're they're extremely similar. Like if you're comparing uh, stars in the NBA, especially young stars, like I think if you polled 100 people, it would be almost 50 50. Like half the half the people would like vehemently want Donovan Mitchell. The other half would vehemently want Devin Booker. They're extremely close, but yeah, I, I, it does feel like Mitchell has a little bit more like night to night pop. You know, like if, if you said like which which of these guys is going to explode for 45 points and drag me to a win more often it feels like it would be Mitchell by a hair. I think so. I mean, his Mitchell's last two playoff series or uh, last two playoff years, 17 games is 34 points on 23 shots, 5.2 assists to 3.4 turnovers. Like it's just, yeah, he's been insane. He's, he's been insane. So to me, it's like, I'm just giving him the nod over Devin Booker for that, whether it's deserved or not based on this season. And then, yeah, man, I, I don't know what to do about this other forward spot with like Butler. You mentioned out of bio to me, out of bio is just a pure center. I couldn't throw him at, at, at forward. Yeah. And then I, basically other than Butler, I was between Siakam and Middleton. 
Um, mm-hmm. But neither of those felt amazing to me. I I think I would rather go Middleton, but that that might come down at the end of the year for me. Yeah, I mean, with Siakam, in my mind, he had played fewer games because it, it felt like he missed a bunch of time at the beginning of the year, but he's going to end up playing almost 70 games. He's at 59 right now. Um, but he also was playing 38 minutes a game, um, right. doing a ton. Like he always has the ball in his hand. So it's hard to parse, you know, a guy who is, is playing literally like six more minutes per game than someone like Chris Middleton. Um, and out of bio, you're totally right. I mean, that was, that was some serious mental gymnastics. I'm like, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, Dwayne Dedman actually plays center for them. So, you know, maybe he could play the four. Um, I would love to find a spot for him, but, but even he had, I mean, he has the games played argument as well. You know, I mean, that's not that's not necessarily a lock whatsoever. Um, I, I think some people would, would say he hasn't played enough. And then with Butler, I don't know. I mean, it, it just, it, it, he's missed, I think maybe more games even than I thought, but he's been questionable every single night. You know, it's play one, miss one, play two, miss three, play three, miss one. Like it, 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 he's been good and the numbers look good, but it, it just has not really felt like he's been very dependable. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. He's at 50 games played right now. Um, yeah, that's, you cool. know, I think, the defensive aspect of it matters a lot to me because I still think he's a great defender. Yeah. Um, and puts up good defensive numbers, which is obviously nice uh, that you are <laughs> doing both things. Um, you know, some people are going to knock him because he can't shoot threes. I get that. Like, if you're just talking about like more versatile players, like, yeah, Chris Middleton and Siakam are a little more versatile because they actually like shoot from mm-hmm. three. But um, it's tough, man. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I am okay in this instance if you wanna if you wanna shoehorn Adebayo in at forward or you wanna force Butler in even with the games played issues, just because it, it feels wrong that the number one team in the East shouldn't have a guy. Like yeah, that's not necessarily how I try to look at these teams, but when it's a situation like this and the other guys you're deciding between like Siakam and Middleton, like also have pretty major flaws in their case. Um, like I, I don't think it would be wrong if Butler ends up getting that spot. I, I will not be petitioning to the league. <laughs> no, neither would I. And you mentioned it, like other than those guys, like I, you know, Middleton and Siakam, I just don't think there's anybody else no. that I was so, like, even remotely considering at forward. Right, and and even at like the other guard spots or the other center spots, it's like yeah, you could you could always throw Gobert on at third team center. Nobody's going to complain about that. Uh, but I I made a list of the other guys who I would if I was putting together a fourth or a fifth team, you know, who would be on those. So let me know what you think about any of these names. DeJounte Murray, uh, Butler slash Adebayo, since I'm technically going with Siakam as my second forward, LaMelo Ball, Jared Allen, Darius Garland, Zach Levine, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Drew Eubanks. <laughs> Drew Eubanks is an intern, first of all. <laughs> Four-time 10-day contract signee. Oh, man. That's just brutal. Um, yeah, I mean, DeJounte Murray, I wish there was a way to, like, really give him some sort of recognition. I did he made the all-star team, right? Pretty sure he did. I think he made it as an injury replacement. Yeah, he did. So he got that at least. So I don't feel that bad. Um, yeah, I mean, LaMelo, LaMelo is interesting as well. Although, I, he's having a nice year, but it's nothing like insane. Um, I think DeJounte Murray's having a better year than him. I do think out of bio deserves some recognition, but the game's played is an issue. Holiday, again, just, mm-hmm. you know is always going to be fourth team. Did you mention Sabonis or no? No, I did mention Sabonis, but he, he deserves to be on that list. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't think I would put Sabonis in over Jimmy Butler, for example. That just doesn't feel right to no, me. But no. um, there's something just kind of empty about his numbers. Yeah, yeah, and 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 to me, he's like a center anyway. Like I know they were kind of playing him at power forward when he was in Indiana, but since he's been in Sacramento, they're like, oh yeah, yeah. you're definitely a center, hundred uh, <laughs> percent. So yeah. Yeah, I, the other one I, I wanted to bring up was Draymond, who I, I think before the back injury was probably on course to get that third-team forward spot for me. I, I think he was on course to win Defensive Player of the Year. And right. obviously the Warriors at that time were on course to be the first or second best team by a mile uh, in the Western Conference. So, you know, Draymond getting hurt, I think, kind of messed a lot of things up, not only for him, but but also for Steph. Uh, like that that kind of seems like the the thing that, that pivoted really Golden State's entire season but i think he would be pretty clearly for me the guy if he if he had played like 70 games uh, who yeah. i would feel pretty good about plugging into that forward spot i mean now that i'm looking at Dejounte murray's numbers like if, if if he was a forward i think he would maybe be the even more obvious choice for that and you know obviously he is not a forward he's a point guard um and the spurs have just not been good enough for me to justify putting him over any of the names that we've talked about even donovan mitchell but 21 points 9.3 assists 8.3 rebounds, a league leading two steals a game, 46% from the field, 78% at the line. I mean, those are, if, if the Spurs were a better team, those are like, in some years, those are potential like first team all NBA numbers. Well, and only 2.6 turnovers. Yeah. I mean, he's, so he's unbelievable. He's practically making up all of his turnovers through steals and then adding nine assists. So yeah, under, I mean, yeah it's, his numbers have been amazing. Um, yeah. He would, he would definitely be a guy who you could, uh, if you wanted to get like super creative with the positions, I'm sure you could find a way to throw him in there. Um, like he's not that efficient of a shooter, but when he's doing so much else, it's just, yeah, man, he's having a great how, year. He's the complete opposite of this guy in, in almost every way. But like, how justifiable would it be to put him over Trey Young as one of the third team guards? Hawks <laughs> have 36 wins. The Spurs have 29 wins. Um, I think you would. I, I wouldn't do it. But I would get it because you could say like, uh, you basically just be saying like, Murray's defense is more valuable than the increased scoring plus efficiency that Trey Young gives you. Like I would, I would, yeah. I would listen to that argument. I just, I don't think you can. I don't know. I don't think you can do it because because Trey Young's averaging like ten more points a game almost. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't think most people would, but. I mean, to be honest, I did, I did not realize Murray's numbers were this overwhelming. I mean, I, I just now I, I definitely feel bad not finding a spot for him, but it's it's just tough when you're on a team that's going to finish the season with like 33 wins. Um, so I looked at last year's All NBA teams. Uh, these are the guys that will almost certainly, actually, I would say for sure, not make any All NBA team this year. We got seven: Kawhi Leonard, Damian Lillard, Brad Beal, Julius Randle, Paul George, Kyrie Irving. Uh, and then I, I had Jimmy Butler on this list for some reason. I would say he's still kind of on the borderline. So like six or seven guys from last year's All-NBA team will not make an All-NBA team this year. And that's not even counting James Harden, who for like two years in a row now has kind of been blackballed from All-NBA. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, injuries. I think injuries kind of build us out in terms of like this player pool being so rigid right. for this season. Uh, yeah, because if all those guys were healthy, this would be like... 
I, that also, you know, just makes you think about how stacked the league is actually when everyone's like healthy and ready to go. Yeah, it's insanely stacked. Yeah. Um, obviously, none of those guys, none of those. Well, Lillard wouldn't have made it even if he was healthy because he was playing like trash when he was healthy. And um, Beal wasn't even playing that well before he got hurt. So, yeah, yeah I don't think he would have been in either. I don't know who you're putting him in over. Um, yeah. I mean, every year, one one to five stars, you know, are hurt and, and are kind of ruled out of it. So it's not like we've ever, we've never really had a situation where everybody played, you know, 75 plus games. So you always get bailed out to some degree, but I mean, like Kawhi, if Kawhi plays 60 games, like he's a lock for one of these all NBA teams. Like that's, especially because he's kind of established that that's the expectation for him. So like Kawhi playing 60 games doesn't feel as disappointing as Durant or LeBron playing 60 games. And in most years, I mean, Lillard's been an absolute lock for one of these, Beal's always been borderline. I mean, Randall probably never going to make another all NBA team. That, that was kind of a one-year thing, but he made second team last year. You know, it's not like he's stuck on. Um, and, and PG, I think he played what, like 29 games, something like that. Um, yeah. And he was well on course for a potential first or, or second team spot before he got hurt. Yeah. Paul George having a really good year, 25, seven and six with two steals on um, not amazing shooting. Actually. It's, it's no, the shooting was, was actually pretty, pretty bad. bad. But he was dealing with injuries and stuff too, like even before yeah. he got shut down. So, um, but he would have snuck in over like Jimmy Butler on third team. Yeah. Um, I think him versus DeRozan on second team would have been an argument. Um, yeah. So, all rookie, is there even a debate here? Is it Cade, Giddy, Wagner, Barnes, Mobley? Am I missing anybody obvious? I mean, that sounds right to me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, there, there's been flashes, you know, from other guys. Um, I mean, after, after the first week of the season, Chris Duarte looked like he was going to be rookie of the year. Um, I mean, Jalen Green's been better since the break. Kaminga has obviously had some really nice moments, but I, I think that's going to be, unless people penalize Josh Giddy for missing a bunch of time at the end of the year, I don't even know if we're going to see him again uh, over these final few weeks, but that's the one spot that you could maybe see some voters, you know, maybe people who aren't paying attention, just, just give that, that other guard spot to Jalen Green. But I mean, I, this is about as unanimous as a, of a top five, especially positionally, like it all fits too. You have like point guard, shooting guard, small forward, yeah. uh, you know, power forward center. Um, it's as unanimous as you're going to find. Yeah. And a relatively strong second team as well. I mean, Herbert Jones deserves to make the second team. Oh yeah. Uh, if Jalen green or Josh Gaggy in the second team is good Dasunmu has been a pleasant surprise. Yep. Mitchell might be fringe depending on how people feel in him with Duarte Jalen Suggs versus Sangoon is kind of weird. Kaminga is going to get some love, especially if he starts playing really well towards the end of the year. So, I mean, we've been saying it all year, but this class is just stacked. Yeah. I mean, even like Zaire Williams, you know, so I mean, he's just played a ton of minutes and started a bunch of games for a good team. Like the numbers are not really great, but um, yeah, I think, I think a lot of people would put stock in the fact that, you know, he was trusted in in that kind of role, uh, especially as young as he is. Yeah. And Sangoon is going to be interesting because, I remember, was it, it was probably back in December or January where the Rockets were like, well, you know, we don't want to play more than 20 minutes because that's what he was used to in Europe. And we're now like 70 some games into the year and he's still playing 22 minutes. Like, has he not improved his, his like cardiovascular strength at all? I have no idea. I mean, some of it's fouls, but it's not like he's playing enough minutes to really get in foul trouble yeah. anyway. And who cares if he fouls out? Right. Exactly. So I don't know if that's like a Christian Wood ego thing. Uh, I don't know exactly what's going on there. Like they don't want to play them together. Um, But yeah, man, I mean, it's like 
there even the guys in the fringes, like Trey Mann just keeps getting minutes. Um, and he's been playing all right. Like you have Cam Thomas popping off for yeah. Brooklyn. Like uh, it's not even that rare that he has a, a relatively big game when they give him decent minutes. Like Bones Highland has had some moments as yeah. well. I think Bones can make second team. Right. Um, Primo's been playing more, but he's not going to make a team. I mean, Isaiah Jackson has been starting for the <laughs> for the Pacers. Like it's getting uh, well, minutes. I wrote a note on him earlier today. He will not be starting tonight. He's ruled out due to a headache. Oh, That's no. what it said on the official injury report. Not, well, not concussion, have... nothing, just headache. Well, he had a concussion, didn't he? Yeah, but he played in their last game. So I don't know if he if he had. You would think, like, because they have to reveal if he's in concussion protocols, which he doesn't appear to be. So it's just a, uh, a headache that's unrelated to the concussion that he just suffered. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Trey Mann, by the way, and you know, if you're if you're not like really in the weeds in fantasy, you might be wondering like who who the hell is Trey Mann? Last seven games for Trey Mann uh, in OKC: eighteen point seven points a game, five point one rebounds, three point zero assists, forty four percent from the field, forty four percent from three, three point six made threes on eight point one attempts per game. Yeah, he's been solid. I mean, he's just, like, they've been giving him more run, like, really, obviously since, like, Giddy got hurt. Um, but, yeah, he's, for, for, like, a month or two now, he's been, like, a pretty consistent part of the rotation, I would say, since, like, late January, early February. Um, I guess shooting percentages in general aren't that good, but lately they are. But it's just like, yeah, this is what you expect from OKC. They're just going to test some guys out towards the end of the year. Uh, you know, like, you have Sar starting at center. <laughs> And Aaron Wiggins getting real minutes, and Pokashevsky's back in the mix. Oh yeah, Poku's playing like big time, big time minutes. He, uh, I, have you been playing that Purtle like knockoff of Wordle game? It's like an NBA I have, version. I have not. Okay, well, it actually is interesting, and in that I have a you know a group chat where everybody plays it, and people were Pokashevsky was the answer, I think yesterday or the day before, and you can see a silhouette of the player, like their their default headshot, and obviously it's blacked oh. out. And everybody was just like, who the hell is this guy? Because <laughs> he looks like he's like off-centered for some reason. Like his neck is like tilted to the side. And and then obviously when it's revealed, like none of my friends had heard of this guy. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? This Clearly you're not watching the Thunder. He's been averaging like 30 <laughs> minutes a game over the last, what, 15, 20? Yeah, you don't know about Poku? I, yeah. I think even my buddies know about Poku, but that's because I'll like send him, uh, send him stuff. Like Poku had that, he like missed a 360 dunk in transition or something and then went and got it back and dunked it. Right. Um, Stuff like that. Yeah, he's always the source of uh, laughs, I guess. Yeah, he's kind of in that, like, Boban zone where, he, yeah. I, like, my, my my mom or girlfriend would be more likely to know who Boban is than, uh, I don't know, DeMar DeRozan, for example. <laughs> right. Probably Luka Doncic. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Boban they... has a national commercial. Uh, that is true. Um, That's on quite a bit. Fortunately, he, like, does not play anymore. Yeah. Uh, not that he I, really I haven't was... seen him in forever. Like he used to have like once every what two or three weeks he would have a game where he would start because somebody was hurt and he would have like nineteen and twelve in seventeen minutes and then you're like it would always leave me wondering like how is how are you not like trying this out just a little more often you know just give him two or three minutes here and there he's like he was always like so effective but yeah I don't I don't know if he's if he's slowing down or what I don't know he's played four games since Christmas and for a total of like seven minutes yikes good locker room guy though Uh, Olivier Saar by the way. I remember the first time he started, I I think I must've written the note or something. And I was just like, wow, man. Like I remember him watching him like struggle big time at Kentucky. Like this, this I think might be OKC's magnum opus of like player reclamation, him and Lindy waters. Yeah. I was, I was literally just about to say (laughs) Lindy waters who 
we <laughs> who I determined was like a pity signing from uh what Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, yeah. Oh man. All right. Well, let's get out of here. Uh we got we got news to track. We got games tipping off in a couple hours and uh sweet sixteen starting tonight as well. So I, I feel like I'm I'm obligated to ask you the question that every man has to ask every other man this week. How's your bracket looking? I don't have one, so it's great. Excuse me? Yeah, I don't I don't Is have a bracket. Normal? Yeah, I usually I don't do a bracket usually. Okay. I just I don't I I don't really watch college basketball. I'd be a I'd be like a fake uh you know, I would, I would be a poser if I made one and acted like I cared. I'm sorry. How's your bracket? Right, well, uh, terrible. I think I have my worst <laughs> bracket of all time. So honestly, okay. I, I kind of wish I wouldn't have made a bracket. Right. <laughs> I think for the first time ever, like I was, I, I mean, I really liked the NCAA tournament. My my college basketball fandom definitely reached its peak in like eighth to 10th grade. Like I was a huge, huge college basketball fan and I've kind of had to, you know, to focus more on the NBA, but I was watching the the opening round on Thursday, last Thursday, and I, I missed the first four games. Like I've, I've went 0 for 4 on oh, the first four games that ended. And from that point on, it was very clear uh, things were not heading in the right direction. But I do still have Arizona alive as my my pick to win it all. But I had them play in Kentucky in the finals. So ultimately, it probably doesn't matter. I'm sorry. I might have to consider the strategy next year. Honestly, like not, <laughs> not having a bracket seems like it would be really fun, actually. You just get to watch a tournament. Yeah, you mean to tell me I could just sit and enjoy the games without anything at stake? Right, exactly. Maybe play some college basketball DFS? I I don't know if I'm quite ready for that. Uh, (laughs) You know, word to rotowire.com, which has been putting out an insane amount of actually like extremely good uh, rotowire or uh, college basketball DFS content. But I'm not quite ready to dive into that pool yet. I came from a low-income family that was that was struggling. You see how hard life can get. GC became a part of my life because I don't want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life and just want to get things done the way I want with a good education under me. I'm Stacy, and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose.